This episode is partially brought to you by the Humble Choice Program. Did you know Humble Bundle has a great monthly subscription service that lets you get a ton of video games every single month? That's right, from plans range from $5 to 20 bucks a month, you get a hold of a bunch of free games they have available to you. And you can use our code down in the description below to go and sign up. It would help our podcast and help you see what great games are available for you this month. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 37 of the SWW show. It's me, AJ. We got Mike. Mike, we are quickly approaching uh, 50, which means a live show, which means... So, so what you're telling me is, okay, we're going to get two boxes, okay? We're going to go to downtown Chicago, because I think this makes the most sense from what I'm about to say, right? We're like just like in the middle of like Michigan Avenue, and we're just going to just record a podcast. I was thinking, see if we could, like, how feasible it would be to run out, like, the rooftop of something for two hours. No, but you, what we want to do is, though, you want to do, like, where it's, like, that bad stand-up comedian show where no one knows that's going to happen, who's there. No. <laughs> no, because then it's just a nightmare trying to do sound. <laughs> it's thing in the world. <laughs> but, you know, like, it, if we could do, you know, a podcast, a live show from... Like the roof of a building would be pretty sweet. So we got a little bit to figure some of that stuff out, but yep, it is. It, a, we're, we're closer to fifty than not. So okay, we've been closer to fifty than not for a while. Yeah, but it's it's as I said, quickly approaching. <laughs> um, okay. yeah. Uh, just off the top here, in terms of uh, what the SWW show is doing. Um, so November 6th is Extra Life, so we'll be doing uh, something for that. And then the 13th is an event that we'll be doing for the first time called Gaming for Hope, um, which is a fundraiser for uh, Parkinson's research. So that is a... Uh, a disease that has affected both of us in uh, multiple ways, uh, losing family members to it. Um, and, you know, it's it, it's something different, you know. So we have stuff for the kids also with Extra Life, but, you know, this Gaming for Hope thing I saw come up, and, you know, you and I were, I was ta- uh, talking to you about it and kind of the the mission behind it is something that we don't normally see. Cause like, okay, yeah, we have extra life. We have, uh, what's the one, uh, the eight bit salute or whatever. The, um, right. Right. I, I know you're talking about, I just, yeah, I forget what the name of it is now, but operation supply drop, I think was the company that ran it. Um, you know, we have stuff for like kids and the troops, but we don't have stuff for, more, I guess, more traditional fundraisers. So, this is 
you know, this is this is a big one. So um keep an eye out for that. We'll have uh links to uh um, yeah, I'm just I'm gonna collect all that stuff today. Yeah. So. We have links you told me where to get it, so <laughs> we have links for donation portals uh that'll be going up on our socials. Um yeah, and there is a special thing for that Gaming for Hope that uh, I am going to be able to do. I don't think you're going to be able to do it. Um, Are you so, actually going to be able to do what we talked about? Uh, yeah, from the sounds of it, it looks like we have something special planned for for that one. So um, that is going to be pretty cool. If everything uh, goes to plan. Nice. Well, as, of, sounds... as of right now, everything's going to plan. So, so we'll wait until closer to the part. Say it yeah. on the off chance that stuff hits the fan. Um, well, so we're keeping it under wraps, but you will know the thirteenth if go or no go, pretty much. Um, so stay tuned, I guess. <laughs> stay attuned. So um, let's let's kind of jump in from there then. Um, first, like always, is what have we played? My list is completely off. I've got to do this part of the show notes. Um, so basically, my schedule has been really weird the last couple weeks. Um, really? Yeah. Shocking. My schedule never. <laughs> um, uh, not like switching jobs and that takes up extra time. AJ, is it, are you familiar how that works? <laughs> oh, that, yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to get used to everything with the new job. Sometimes you're just like, I don't have as much time. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's been fun. Uh, but otherwise, I've been chipping, we'll call it, away at Mass Effect 3 some more. Um, so I think I thought it at the time, and I, I stick with it going back to. That game gets a way worse rap than it ever should for Mass Effect 3. Like, objectively. Well, that- I think it's mainly the ending. I think a lot of people don't have a problem with the game up until the very end. So, so, I haven't got that part again, so I don't remember. Like, I remember, like, not obviously this playthrough. And, but, like, I remember you interview talking about, like, complaining about, like, the lack of companions or a dislike of, like, the ones you get. So, like, obviously, I have to leave and I hate James. And I think those are valid critiques, but, like, they're playing Mass Effect 2. You don't play half the companions in Mass Effect 2. Like, let's no, be honest here. No, people, I mean, like, you play your three that you like, and that's it. So I had I had a rotation between, like, five or six for different, like, missions or whatever. But yeah, it's not like I played with all 12. Like, that's not a world I lived in. Yeah. Well, and I guess it also depends on, like, what your player character is. Because as a sniper in those games, mm-hmm. you need one up-close person, and then your other can be whatever you want. Like, See, so I was playing a lot of times as the... Um, that middle, because I was a biotics character, so I was like that middle of the club close guy. So like if I had like Garrus and Legion on my team at two, like most combat scenarios, I'd be really set because they could cover my back. Yeah, it, yeah. As I say, it just depends on. Also, it depended on like what gear you wanted to use too, because you know, in the later ones, you can develop loadouts for people, and that is, I mean. As soon as you find stuff that you like, it's game over. Like, those games become so trivial once you find loadouts that you like and are good with that any combat situation is over basically once it starts. 
mean, that's, and that's about, and that's just I think a general Mass Effect thing, though. But like, well, and that's just that's the thing, right? Like, okay, people are complaining about um, companions, but they're complain they're complaining about companions because they found their loadouts and then just yeah. never used any of the other companions. Right, and like it's funny because like obviously playing three and the first time I played it, I have like the um the extra companion from the DLC, right? Which I understand yeah. is very implemental, and I think that was a valid critique of the game at the time. Um, but, like, once you have him, like, it's like, yeah, I have enough companions. I, I Legitimately, I don't need ten more companions to say I have ten more companions right. at all. Well, and that's, then also the, that's the thing, right? Like, the first time I played Mass Effect 3 was well after release. So, like, the ending had already been... Somewhat fixed. You know... They gave you the option, like so. All the stuff that people were talking about, and all the hate that that game still gets, like that's the thing. All the hate for Mass Effect Three is OG Mass Effect Three. So I'm gonna say it. Mass Effect Three is way better to play than Mass Effect One any day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, to play absolutely. Like it's not even close. But I mean, also like it is. Mass Effect Three is. Bioware fully realizing that it's just a shooter game. Like, it's not a... It's not a, you know, traditional strategy game. Like, which I think that's that's the problem that a lot of these... XCOM gets away with it because you're not directly controlling a person. But any of these, like, oh, we want to make a... You know, we want to make an RTS with shooting... Like, no. It's not going to work. Because there's no happy medium. Like, you either have to go one way or the other. And they fully realize that in 3, where they're like, screw it. This is just, this is a shooter. This is, you know, this is Call of Duty. This is Battlefield, just in space. And I think that's that's the way you have to go when you have a player-controlled character and it's not fully turn-based. Like, you know, you can't... Setting up the strategy in a game when you can just freely move kind of ruins the appeal of the game. Because it slows it down way too much. Whereas, like, you know, we've been playing Destiny. Like, if Destiny has some of that strategy in it with how you use abilities and things like that, if that game was fully immersed in, okay, you need to use these to get through a conflict, like, that game would be terrible. But the fact that it's a shooter with strategy, you know, I think is what really makes it work. And, you know, obviously everybody loves to praise Mass Effect 2 as being the one game to get it right with kind of how to blend it. But in reality, they they were more shooter than strategy at that point. Like, 100%. you know, they got rid of the... Um, the strategy element of 
you know, weapons, like snipers overheating if you shot them twice. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they eliminated a lot of the stuff that was holding it back in Mass Effect 1 by 2 when it comes to the combat because as I say it's not turn based so you know you can't get away with setting up you know oh I'm going to set up a defense and then this is going to happen like you can't strategize out that much in Mass Effect because everybody can freely move so yeah I mean it's it's a really good series I think the story to me is what made me like to play it everything else was just like okay I found my loadout you know I'm gonna breeze through the combat because the combat was never great like it was just it's not horrible though I think it gets much better yeah. than it actually yeah, it's, you it's, it's generic or not yeah it's generic really it's generic combat that's and that's that's perfectly fine like right it's not bad combat though and I think there's a pretty big difference between the two yeah like, it's, it's kind of like the whole thing, every year Call of Duty year to year, people call it generic. I'm like, yeah, but it's still maybe the best also, year to year. Yeah, like, Call of Duty, calling Call of Duty generic is like calling, you know, uh, Mercedes-Benz generic. Like, it's still the best. <laughs> it might be generic if you look at the last it's one. Just, that. You're comparing, <laughs> you know, you're comparing the, the Mercedes S65 this year to the S65 of last year, you're but like, I well, nothing changed. Other cars. Right. Yeah, but you're not that's, comparing that's it to, you know, that's you know the Audi. That's my opinion yeah. Call of Duty on that one, is people are just over, like, looking at this thing of, like, well, here's the last year. I'm like, great, but find me another shooter this year. Find, or me, yeah, find year. me somebody that can do this year after year after year after Like, obviously, Call of Duty gets away with it because they have a gajillion studios. But... EA has a gajillion studios, so why aren't they pumping out battlefields? And like, and there are years where people fight Call of Duty, like Titanfall Two. I'll point to a year that I think Call of Duty is fought, but like, I don't think year to year they're fought. Well, I think the thing that made Titanfall Two pop was how different it was. It wasn't like, oh, the shooting's any better. It was just, you know, holy shit the traversal in this game. Like, that's the thing that made Titanfall 2. You know, the the Titans were... The Titans were a non-factor when it came to it because they were basically just a kill streak. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Call of Duty players didn't necessarily care about that. It was, you know, wall running, grappling hooks. It was double jumps. It was... You know, the frantic movement of a quake mixed with the shooting of a Call of Duty. Which had never been done before. Like, even in the first Titanfall, like, the traversal was there, but the shooting wasn't there. Like, a lot of of Titanfall 1's shooting was kind of you know, the hitbox of the character was a lot bigger than it looked. And you just kind of aimed in a general direction. And it, you know, it didn't help that they had those smart weapons that like could curve around corners and shit like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
Titanfall 2 was... In terms of, like, okay, who's going to dethrone Call of Duty? Like, nobody's going to dethrone Call of Duty. But EA has the best shot. Because, I mean, they've got three or four franchises that could do it. Yeah, they yeah. could do it. It's They have to yeah. try to do it. And that's the thing, right? Like, Activision has one franchise. They have Call of Duty. Which is why it's funny that no one can beat them, it feels like. Well, because they only have one, right? Like, EA had the Star Wars license, the Battlefield, you know. They had... Medal of Honor is honestly... Warfighter had some weird things, but... The Medal of Honor games were always the best shooters. It was just nobody played them. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, EA has EA has three killers. I mean, they have Apex, they have uh well, they don't have the exclusive Star Wars, but and then they have Battlefield. Like they have three Call of Duty killers. It's just you know, they then have three fan bases. So it's certainly unique in the situation of you know, they can't create a Call of Duty killer because that would you know, basically force them to kill two franchises. Yeah. But on that note, let's kinda of jump in. So AJ looking at your list. Oh, I've been fully taking advantage of my Uplay <laughs> Ubisoft Connect membership. So we kind of talked about this on a stream a couple of weeks ago, but if you want to yeah. just kind of run through either highlights of the games or whatever. Yeah, so I've been playing uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Far Cry 6, and Watch Dogs Legion. Um, I probably have the most time in Valhalla just because that game is so slow. Um, but... Far Cry 6 is, if you liked Far Cry 4, you'll like this. Hmm. Um, it's way more open, so it's a lot like 5 in that situation. In terms of the map is just massive, whereas 4's map was, it was big, but it was kind of confined. Okay. But, you know, you're not, you're not building up, you know, a resistance and then suddenly like somebody's going to come shoot you with some, you know, magic mushroom bullet that makes you pass out. Like, it's just, it's Far Cry, pretty much. So, and if... If you have Ubisoft Connect and get Far Cry 6, uh, you break the game. Because it gives you... um, Yeah. It gives you stuff from Blood Dragon. So it gives you the pistol from Blood Dragon, which is a suppressed, armor-piercing, burst-fire pistol. And it gives you um, a... uh, an armor set from Blood Dragon. And the best part for that is they have um, the gloves for it reduce weapon sway for pistols. So you just turn the Far Cry Blood Dragon pistol into just this 
murdering machine. Like it's a it's a one headshot kill on any enemy. So you you're just running around like gunning guys down and no recoil like it's just yeah it's just game over. So but wild. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised they well, I mean, you have to imagine, right? Like, I'm legit shocked how unbalanced they let it be. Like, you'd have to imagine, right? It would be behind the $100 version of this game. Yeah, so I guess that matters. And also, I always go to single-player balance matters, but like in certain games like Far Cry probably matters a lot less. Yeah. Also, it's so big and there's so much going on that in a lot of cases, it's just nice to have because... Like, the bases are so big that you're trying to clear out that it's, it just takes so long to do stuff that it's nice that, oh, here comes somebody, done. Like, versus having a, having a firefight that you would have in, like, a Far Cry 3 or a Far Cry 4. So. Um, But Watch Dogs Legion is, well, it's more Watch Dogs. Um, again, this game breaks if you get the Ubisoft Connect version because uh, you get, I think it's five um, characters immediately okay. unlocked. <laughs> so you get Aiden Pierce from one. You get Wrench from two. You get a couple others that they are uh, legendary hackers or whatever they're called. Like, they're the top tier people. And so, like, Aiden has his uh, blackout ability that he can use that's on a cooldown. So, it's just, again, you kind of break the game because you have these incredibly well-equipped people basically from the start. But... Again, like, the thing of it is, these games break because, like, they break in the sense that they're rewarding people for spending the money to get those additions. But with these subscriptions that give you those additions, like, yeah, it's just, it's, Watch Dogs specifically is ridiculous to play because I can just hop in as Aiden Pierce and just waltz through whatever I want. So. Yeah. Hmm. It is fun, though. And it looks amazing. The graphics on it are really That's cool. the one I'm... That's, uh, that's also the game from where we were talking. I was like, oh yeah, that's a game that came out. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think talks about how much people talk about it when it came out. Well, I think it came out like... When did Legion come out? Like, something happened. Delayed so much. Well, it was delayed, but then I think when it came out, like, it was... Uh... October 29 of 2020. Um... Ever see Mixed to Positive? Yep. I'm just trying to remember, like... Release, uh, uh, post-launch content. The post-launch content is pretty good. 
Okay. I, I gotta say that. Um, they added multiplayer. Um, they added two new characters, two new, you know, five abilities, gadgets, character customers. Like, there was a lot of stuff that they added, which, I mean, Ubisoft has always been good about that. That is a Ubisoft thing about, like, as we just talked about Assassin's Creed, always adding to the games. Well, and the funny thing is, right, like, you can't, um, oops, I want releases for, you can't judge a Ubisoft game by its release. Which is a problem, I would argue, but yes, I agree. October 29, 2020. But, I mean, like, everybody's like, oh, you know, this game sucks. But, you know, give it... By the time it drops in price, that game is amazing. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Squadrons came out in the beginning of the month. Watch Dogs came out at the end of the month. FIFA 21, Crash 4, Ghost Runner. Uh, so I think the thing that overshadowed uh, Watch Dogs was the Dark Pictures. Was um, that around the same time? Yeah, that was the day after. That was the first, or I guess it was the second, after Man of Medan. Um, <laughs> Mario Kart Live had come out two weeks before, like... Um, you know, there were there were a lot of things around Watch Dogs like um, Cloud Punk, Mario Kart Live Ghost Runner uh, Shadowlands for World of Warcraft uh, Pikmin 3 Dark Pictures like uh, Dota Auto Chess like all that stuff was coming out around Watch Dogs 3, so it was just like, oh. It's just kind of released into basically No Man's Land. So. But I mean, that stuff happens, right? Like, that was the problem with it getting delayed so much, was that it kept losing its window. It's also Watch Dogs is a franchise they can never get to fully stick to begin with. Yeah, I mean, the people that play them like them. Yeah, no, that's true, but, like, sales-wise, I mean, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they never really took off. I think the the thing that hurt Watch Dogs was the significant downgrade from its reveal for the first one. Like, as soon as they showed gameplay, people were like, oh, this is just a vaporware game, pretty much. So then it left a bad taste in the mouth, and then, you know, it's... Gamers are weird, because, right, it's like going back to the Mass Effect thing, as soon as they develop an opinion, that's all that game will ever be. Right? As soon as they saw Watch Dogs graphical downgrade, they were like, oh, they're, you know, Ubisoft is trying to pull the wool over our eyes, so then they just never paid attention. And then any time, like, Watch Dogs 2 comes out, oh, well, you can't trust the graphics because, you know, they they already did this for... Watchdogs one and all this and that and so Yeah, it's it's also this is the third game, right? So it's like they haven't had 
Watch Dogs 2 was good, but they haven't had a chance to, like, break that stigma yet. Right, like... And the Legion... Legion suffers from not having a protagonist. Because you can change to, you know, whoever you want. So, I mean, you can play that game as Aiden Pierce if I wanted to. Like... You know, it's not... There is no lead character. It's not... Aiden, it's not the guy from 2, it's not you know it's not, there's no main character so how do you develop a bond with the main character yeah nice Um, other than that I've just been getting prepped for the charity streams so yeah I figured it's much Um, but looking the next thing I have on this list, which I've got to ask about, uh, jumping down. So you apparently have seen it. Oh, I've seen all of it. Uh, I got asked, did you watch it the correct way or the incorrect way? Uh, I watched it at home. The incorrect way, I understand. I'm planning to go see it in IMAX, so it's not all so, hope So if you don't realize we're talking about AJ apparently has seen The Dune. Yep. Yeah, that is that is the thing. I want to see it. I'm waiting to see it until IMAX, but IMAX screenings have just been like booked across everywhere. Well, I wanted to see it at home first to be like, okay, is it worth it to go see it in as big a screen as possible? General consensus sounds like yes. Yeah. Also, I was like, Okay, this is two and a half hours. Is it going to feel like two and a half hours? Is it going to feel shorter? Is it going to feel longer? So, okay. so it, what is your, what, obviously not going to spoil anything, kind of broad things, but kind of is your broad opinion on the film? Uh, Denis Villeneuve headed out of the park again. Yeah, he's maybe your favorite director, isn't he? Uh, he's definitely up there. Because that was Sicario, that was... Uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, I was going to say, Blade Runner? Um, Hell or High Water. Right. Oh, no, he wasn't involved with that. He helped... Um, the guy that wrote Sicario did that. That's what... Yeah, yeah, um, But yeah, I mean, Denis Villeneuve has... For me, at least, has some of the best uh, landscape shots. You watch Sicario? Am I crazy? Sicario is amazing. Like... No, for the show I'm saying, did we watch it? Did we watch it? No, we did not. So my, I don't know why. In my head, it just kind of... It's one of those films that, like, I I remember tied you, and I thought I saw it because of you. But I thought it was because, like, we had some... I think early on, I was talking about it a lot, but... Maybe that could be what it is. Maybe. Yeah. But, you, yeah, I would yeah. definitely say, if you can... If you can find an IMAX showing of Dune... Do it. Um, definitely go see it. In that. that is across the board. I don't know if it uh, would benefit from the audio of IMAX. It just benefits from the size. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some films where it would fully take advantage of IMAX. Chris Nolan does a very good job of that. Um, you know, taking every aspect of, okay, he knows what the IMAX sound system is going to be. He knows what the display is going to be. So... But yeah, um, 
and it does a very good job. It's definitely not uh, Lynch's Doom. Like, it's good though. It's it's more um, truthful to the books. Okay. So, I'll just leave it at that. But nice. Okay, well, let's see. Jumping down, then. I really have not seen much, um, as we talk about charity events. Okay. Jumping into the news, we have some easy, quick ones that I was going to that breeze through, because AJ won't care. Uh, for people who do care, apparently there is something happened in Disney's production pipelines, and basically the entire MCU slate and some other Disney films, including Indiana Jones, has basically all been pushed back about two, three months each. So basically, after we get Eternals this year, we do not get another Marvel film until May 6th versus the old March 25th date. Uh, Beyond that, it's not that all the delays look consistent, so it really looks like a Doctor Strange delay just kind of triggered delays across the board because they don't want to have stuff overlapping. I was going to say, that's the the problem with Disney, right, is they have so much going on that, you know... right. So, yeah. they, they don't uh, build delay windows into their schedule. It's right. So that's this, then this, so then this, then this. So something it happened. Really looks like, it looks like something happened in Doctor Strange, probably post-production, because then Windows supposed to come out. Um, or could it have been a Black Panther issue? Like, Yeah, yeah. there are things that could have happened. But the point is, though, starting in for Warship in March, it's now May. Everything's delayed the same accordingly. If you really care, they go check it out. But just keep an eye on that for people who are looking forward to it. Uh, the first big story we have is Tarjo and Disney have officially settled their Black Widow lawsuit. <laughs> um, we don't know the public terms of it. We know ScarJo wanted $50 million from the studio. My assumption is if it's a settlement, she probably didn't get $50 million, but Also, really this matter. is a huge one for Disney. Because it was a settlement versus going yeah. to court? Like, if it went to court... Um, the whole industry is screwed. This still did set some sort of precedent, but yeah, that precedent's a lot weaker if it's a settlement versus a lawsuit. Well, and I think the the problem with the way Disney was doing it was it was on a movie-by-movie basis, it felt like. So, like with HBO Max... It was, oh, all of Warner's stuff is coming out on HBO Max. So it wasn't a... And also, my understanding of the Warner stuff is they went to the actors and people who had this random yeah. contracts and negotiated stuff ahead of time. Well, yeah, because they knew everything was going to be coming out, whereas Disney So they went it... person to person and went, okay, what does this cost? How do we do this? Because yeah. that was all the directors, even though they didn't like it, did agree to the terms. Yeah. Whereas... Like, Patty Jenkins did not love it yeah. very publicly, but she agreed to it. Yeah, where Nolan, for example, did not. Oh yeah, he was. <laughs> oh boy. But uh, yeah, the the way Disney did it, just they just did it wrong from the start. But yeah, if if this had gone to trial and ScarJo had won, that is a huge win for the actors and a huge loss for the studios. Yeah. Um. Uh, while on the. Disney news, by the way, before I shift to the next story. I don't know if you saw what I think is the best stat of all time. So, as everyone's familiar, the movie Jungle Book came out earlier this year, or Jungle Cruise. 
Jungle Cruise coming to list here? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jungle Cruise costed $35 million more than Dune costed to make, including Dune's production delays and marketing delays. Well, that $35 million probably went to The Rock. <laughs> but, like, it was just such a wide read that I was like, that is wild. But anyway. Well, think about it this way, right? Like, Jungle Cruise was most likely... You know, and I don't, I don't have any insight, but most likely it was entirely filmed in front of a green screen. Yes, yes, yes. Whereas, Dune shot in locations, and then it's a lot of the deserty stuff. So, okay, uh, I'm gonna go to the light news stories, AJ. So I'm gonna shift the order before we get to the heavy ones. Um, quick thing to pop in, also people who really care, because I really like the show. That 70s show is coming back, kind of, as that's 90s show. Okay. Ordered at Netflix, um, including both Kurt Smith and Deborah Jarrup to return. Yeah, I was like, you know, we did, was that a show that you care about? Not really. Yeah, see, well, that's like one of the shows that I kind of grew up on. Also, um... But I also grew up kind of next Wisconsin too, so it's weird stuff. But okay, um, I am 100% avoiding. Uh, there was an article out there from Variety that I think people should check out if they care about wrestling, which is basically talking about the current competition between AEW and WWE. Oh, dude, uh, it's not even a competition. You don't think so? No. I watched 20 minutes of SmackDown. <laughs> and it was it wasn't even close to what they're doing on AEW. It's like Did you see the most wild stat on the world I saw? What? The bunny fight on AEW did the same ratings as Roman Reigns versus versus uh Seth Rollins. Well yeah, nobody wants to watch WWE anymore because and this has been the case forever like wwe doesn't book like right they don't know what's going on right everybody's a 50 50 book they don't build storylines like aew cares about storylines they care about win loss records like i mean shit they show it on their chiron loss record is such a cool little thing they do that like does make it feel like part of this bigger thing like it's like oh man like you know omega's whatever you know 15 and 1 you know and then somebody that's like booked around 500 like 500 booking in AEW is a lot different to 500 booking in WWE like you know 500 booking in WWE is the norm whereas somebody that's booked 500 you know on AEW that could either mean like they've had some really tough matches and squeaked out some wins or you know maybe had some super tough losses or you know it's part of their story that they can just never you know never perform on the big stage or you know it always everything matters in AEW whereas WWE is just like you know uh, we're going to draw whatever. We have these, you know, sponsors that are going to cover 
costs and things like that. So they don't care. You know, why would they care, basically? Okay. But, you know, I think it's interesting, but I do tend to agree. Also, AEW, I think, is doing the smart things of kind of building people up, and then as people leaving WWE, they're pulling, like, the basically the, the top of that stack also to help. Well, it's like, too, right, like, you know, they have storylines. Mm-hmm. So, like, you don't necessarily need to be checking in every week with somebody. You probably know where it's going. Yeah. And, like, maybe you missed some of, yeah, you've missed some of the, the micro things in between, but you know, kind of. Whereas WWE needs to put everybody on screen because nobody knows what's going on. Right. Like, AEW, Chris Jericho doesn't have to show up for three weeks, and people still know what Chris Jericho is. Yeah. And his storyline could be that, you know, AEW acknowledges stuff that the wrestlers do outside. Yeah, like, even stuff like, like, that was the event they did a couple weeks ago in Philly, where the whole, like, honoring the past of WCW. Yeah. Because obviously they have Jericho, they have Taz, these have these wrestlers that were there. Well, not only that, they're willing to work with other people, so like, you know, they acknowledge that other promotions exist, and... They've mentioned New Japan, bro. They make a point of that. They... Well, they like, have deals with, like, AAA and... Impact, Impact they have some deals, and, yeah. Um, what else? There's some other titles that are on... That they show because, up, you know... Yeah, it's, it's just not even cl- I agree with you, it's not even close. And it's funny because now ratings are starting to show it. Yeah. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the first week they went head-to-head that WWE tried to pull out their best superstars. And still failed. Yeah, like, I, that's not an accident, right? Like, they that they didn't do that. They, they did that. That was 100% to try to make a point that they'd win. And they tied. Well, and the thing of it is, right, like, Vince is now running the whole show. Like, he's running NXT as well. Which, for a while, when it was, um, like, Triple H running it, it was getting better. Well, and it was such a different thing. Like, people were excited to watch NXT, and then when you heard that, oh, this wrestler's getting called up, like, they're like, well, this is over. Because they knew, like, Vince... Vince is booking as if it's, like, the 70s and 80s. Also, yeah, because even stuff like those rumors right now that like Finn Balor might leave for AEW. Well, and that's the hope, right? Like AJ Styles isn't going to leave, which you know he's going to retire in WWE. Which like good on you know like Styles and Nakamura. Like those guys are in their forties; they're getting paid. Like Finn Balor is like someone who like probably has at least years ahead of him. Yeah, and like you know. They kept hinting at the Bullet Club reunions on WWE, and they never did it because I can guarantee you somebody took it to Vince and like, what is this shit? Crossover no, shit? What? Whereas AEW is fully like, I mean, shit. They have the elite, right? Like, they acknowledge the Bullet Club. Which for the record uh, might be the greatest intro song that they currently have. Yeah, I don't know. I still like the whole, um, the Adam Page when he came back. 
the whole arena getting behind a cowboy shit chant. And then JR acknowledging, I'm ready for some cowboy shit. Yeah, like that's always cool stuff. I was going to say, I specifically with you, I was in the United Center when Punk returned. I have never seen an arena that that ecstatic for so many hours waiting for the potential of Punk to walk out. Well, that I mean, that was every WWE show in Chicago. Like, okay, sure, but like it was this moment where like it's happening. They sold out United Center on a rumor. Like it was this whole thing, and it was just Tony Khan walks up two minutes before and goes, "It's happening," and just cuts it. They cut their feet early, and you just see that crowd, and then the music goes. Yeah, and once the music went, that crowd was like, I think what like Punk's intro was twenty minutes. You know, yeah. they just told Punk. Okay, do what you want. We will adjust the show accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not even close, right? Like, like AEW got a pop close to that. WWE is just like they're going back to their carny days. Like, nothing matters. As soon as the show is over, like that's it. Next week is next week. You know, nothing's going to carry over. None of that stuff. Like, little things like AEW obviously has the dark shows and the YouTube shows, right? But they make it all canon. A, like, um, AEW does. WWE, like, those dark shows, no one cares. Yeah. And, like, that's a little thing that makes it matter a lot more, too. That, like, AEW cares about the dark shows. They care about the house shows. Like, everything matters. Like, not enough you have to watch everything, but it matters kind of like you do watch it, you know this will respect something. Yeah. Yeah, there's at least this belief that with AEW, you need to watch everything. If you don't, they still make a point of saying you could still walk in. Yeah. Whereas WWE, I mean, shit, I could go to a WWE show next week and probably you know, figure out what's going on because Nothing matters. Right. And they hold your hand so much. like. And, like, I think little things that AEW does as we get off the train is, like, Tony Khan is now just at every show, basically. And, like, visibly runs it. And, like, it's just little things like that that, like, makes it feel like he cares a lot more. Yeah, it seems much more, like, apparent that the guy that runs the place is such a huge fan, right? Like he wants to see stuff happen too. Whereas Vince is purely like, we want to get asses in seats. Well, like even stuff like when he talks about like the punk thing, right? So he's been trying to get punk for years and it was like, he like how much like he gives them control. It was, Cause apparently it was like, he was like, no punk was the reason we sold it to United center because they were talking about it, and Punk went, I want to come back to the biggest venue we can find. And he just went, okay. I mean, if that's the case, then they should have gone to... I know why they did it at the United Center, but if you wanted to go to the biggest venue... I mean, think about it this way. like AEW goes tours worldwide. Punk comes you back had, at the Tokyo you Dome. Had, you had to do it in Chicago, though. Yeah. Like, can, you, you like, imagine, is... can you imagine Punk coming out during, like, if AEW goes over to Japan for Wrestle Kingdom, Punk returns to Wrestle Kingdom, like, that is such a 
it wouldn't get the same pop that it would in Chicago. But it's That's why such you did, a it like you had to. Well, it's like, it's like, much I, more of a street cred thing of like, holy shit, Punk's back and he's at Wrestle Kingdom. Like he never did that. No, I think they're also the other reason. But... So. Chicago is important for both AEW and for Punk, and that's part of it because like the like all the first All Out was Chicago. Well, and it helps that you know pro wrestling tees is based there, so yeah, yeah. I think all of that stuff made it have to be Chicago, and United Center was your best venue for it within the city. Yeah, like it, like Again, it, that, I, I understand why they did it in Chicago, but if he was looking for the biggest venue, like he, I, I think I think it was the biggest venue asterisk. In yeah. Chicago, I bet you what it honestly was, but or near Chicago, but yeah. Okay, um, I am gonna call an audible uh, two minute break, and then when we come back, which to you guys will be basically immediately. Uh, AJ, we have the fun story next. Oh boy. Okay, we'll be right back, and we're back. I hope you enjoyed the AJ. Did you do the rendition of Star Spangled Banner? What do you do on Ron? Uh, no, I just stopped the recording, restarted Damn. it. Okay. Uh, so now for the sad, insane news that is wild to me. Um, so Alec Baldwin has been filming this film in New Mexico, right, called Rust. Yeah. And apparently there was a prop gun that was not a prop gun that was loaded. That that he was pointing at the, ca- the crew, I think, to like do he a was, shot. He was pointing it towards the camera to get a shot. Right. And when he pulled the trigger, apparently bullets came out. Well, a single one, but yeah. But I thought two people were injured, so is it the it, same bullet? It went through the cinematographer and hit the director. So the cinematographer is dead, and my understanding is the director, I think, is alive and recovering. Yeah. So you want to know the shitty part about this whole story? What? Uh, I worked... I So when I was in college, I would freelance on movie sets for whatever, for a couple days. Um, and I did some stuff in Detroit, and Helena wasn't on the set that day but was part of the project wow so like i indirectly knew Helena hutchins um i don't know the director that got injured as well but um yeah when i saw the story i was like oh man that's that's not great and then i saw the name and i didn't recognize the name but i went to her imdb and i was like oh yeah i would Realist on that set for, uh, I think it was it was like four days spread over two weeks or something like that. So you know, uh, this is just a wild story. Um, if you want to go check out more details on it, always they can. Okay, so well, the obvious. I'll, thing. I'll put it this way: this movie is never coming out. Yeah, I was thinking that too. And the AD and the prop master are basically blacklisted in Hollywood because, like. I am shocked it is not a broad Hollywood rule that you should have some sort of gun on hand if you have a gun like that. Most films have a set armorer. Like, just someone who knows what they're doing, right? Yeah, so, like, you know, there's a couple companies that are 
armorers for movies because obviously if you need a gun like a you need to source it and then b you know believe it or not most movie people don't know how to handle guns so you need somebody that knows how to handle guns and from what i was reading there had already been two accidental discharges so and this was the third like people had already walked off set because of the ad and whoever was handling the guns so unfortunately it's not surprising hearing that that something like this happened um I wouldn't be surprised if we see stuff get passed of um, just no more live ammo, like even blanks. Yeah, or even like tighter stuff of like who has to check it. Like just, just, just this story to me is just why? Wow, it's just because Hollywood, I think broadly speaking, his reputation of being very pro strict gun control and certain things like that. That I'm, I'm just surprised it. they didn't have stronger internal rules. Honestly. If you're on set with an expert armor, that is the safest place you'll ever be. Right. Right. You know where the guns are. You know, like, those things are locked up tighter than Fort Knox until they're needed. We'll check them up and down. And then as soon as they're not needed, they're locked back up. Like, you know, it's... You you feel as if it's not an issue because they're under control. It's situations like this where this was an independent movie, so they probably didn't have the budget, and you know they just had somebody go source a gun, and you know who knows like. The bigger question is, it isn't like, why did that gun go off and kill somebody? The bigger question is, why did they have non-blank rounds? Like, that's the crazier part. Like, using truly live ammo. Now, obviously, there are scenes where you need to use live ammunition because they need the impact or whatever. But, you know, in those situations, as I say, it's the safest you'll ever be. You know, if there's a live round, like, there's nobody on set. You know, the the skeleton crew that's needed is trimmed down even more. Um, you know, to to reduce any possibility of injury. So, yeah, it's just, it boggles the mind how unprofessional the ADs were. And, you know, maybe the director should have been watching over this. You know, maybe there was too much trust in the ADs. You know, it's... There are a lot of questions that revolve around the assistant directors in the situation. 
yeah, an incredibly sad story. Um, and hopefully one that leads to... Because, like, the weird thing is, right, like, airsoft guns have gotten so good in terms of looking like the real thing that it surprises me they don't do that more. Like, uh, Freddie Wong put it best, like, muzzle flash and flares and stuff are so easy to do now that it's not worth it to actually fire around, even if it's a blank. Like, it's so much easier just to CG that stuff. Okay. Well, jumping off of that upsetting story, um, you ready to make fun of a trailer? Oh, we're going from one style of upsetting to another. <laughs> so the Uncharted trailer dropped um, this last week. Um, do you, do you, I don't even know. So, can we can we start with the the the? I don't know. I think I want to start with how horrible the song choice was and why every time they did anything, there was a riff by it. Well, no. Here's what I want to start with. They already had a good Nathan Drake in this movie. It was just the wrong person. Mark Wahlberg would have been much better, and he would make much more sense too. Yeah. Because, like, Nathan Drake is inherently kind of a bulkier dude. Also, um, I don't think anyone involved in this film has ever played in Uncharted. I'm sure Tom Holland has. Then I think, I don't think he paid attention. No. Because <laughs> at one point he talked about it, Uncharted being something, like, I remember what, what the interview was, but at one point he talked about it like, being something about it, and everyone who played the game ever was like, that's not what the game's about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, like, even stuff like, obviously, there's the plane scene in the trailer just from 3. How they botch that plane scene, I don't know. Well, the problem is, like, to properly tell that plane scene, like, it would be half the movie. I understand that. Because, like, the sequence like... in the game's like, almost an hour. Okay, so obviously you have destroying things, I understand that. But, like, this just feels like, so... Uncharted inherently is Indiana Jones and Tomb Raider kind of like combined. And this watching this trailer does not feel like Indiana Jones in any way. No. This feels much more like you could argue national treasure than Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't understand. I, I, yeah. How Sony greenlit this? How how anyone greenlit this? How this keeps going? And like this has been a production hell for so long, it's not going to be profitable. No, yeah, this this movie will be available on PlayStation Plus probably a month after it's released because nothing about this felt like Uncharted. So. They pulled the music riff because, like, oh, we saw Thor Ragnarok be funny. That at least made sense. And from an IP point of view of this, this doesn't, like, Uncharted has quips, right? But it's yeah. not inherently a comedy game. No, but, I mean, a lot of 
a lot of Nathan Drake's dialogue is very quippy. It's very comedic. It's not like the seriousness is driven by other characters. So then they should have shown like Tom Holland being quippy, which I think they tried to at some points in the trailer, and it just was cringy. Well, especially because, I mean, like, Tom Holland's quips are, like, Spider-Man quips. Right, and that just doesn't fit the character of Nathan Drake. Like, Nathan Drake's quips are, like, they're they're kind of a lot darker than that. Like, you know, he's quipping about people and their family and, you know, like, their style of doing things, not, like, you know comic book quips like a lot of the comedy in Uncharted is pretty dark when you think about context and what Drake's saying and who it's directed towards or who he's talking to like you know it's it's a lot of dark comedy verse comic book quip that they wanted to go for yeah so yeah if people want to go hurt themselves or suffer or whatever go check it out otherwise please don't uh so on to the final entertainment e-news for you in the video game stage so i've not warned you about this game we're gonna play i'm hoping you've not seen this pop up on social media uh i kind of warned you it's kind of like one of our old games right so Pornhub has officially released their most common search terms by state over the last year Okay, we're not gonna deal with oh, the normal. I remember ones. seeing something about this, but okay, we're not gonna deal with the normal ones, right? But that's not what we're here for. I want, well, I want to talk about a couple states in particular. Yeah. And 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 what what their number one search terms are. Uh the first one is I would like to discuss the state of Florida. So remember, it's not normal terms that you think in your head. What do you think their most searched term is in the state of Florida? Uh, it's not normal. Uh, probably bang boss. No, no, not even sex related. Uh, animal. <laughs> no, 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 no. I have no idea then. They're searching for boats. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, state Oklahoma we'll get to. I think it's funny also. Uh, they're searching for goth hospital. Searching for what? Goth hospital. That's pro- uh, There was probably a video. Like, I imagine a lot of these terms are related to stuff that was shot in that state. <laughs> there has to be. I, I have a question for you about the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. What is? Why are they all searching for racist? That's a good question. <laughs> the rest of the Midwest, all are searching for milfs. Makes sense. The, the entire Midwest. You yeah. get to you get to Michigan. They like them some races. So that makes me wonder if there's like, like interracial, like. Stuff you know, something like that. That's been very. Uh, like obviously, and... they can they can tailor this to like it's probably not the number one search in Michigan. 
if I had to guess, is racist porn. You know, they can they can probably be like, oh, you know, let's find the weird one in the top 50, and that's their number one. Unless there isn't a weird one, then they're just like, okay, what's their number one? I mean, if, okay. if I were making one of these, that's what I would do. And then lastly, like, when you talk about... There's no way the number one search in Oklahoma is goth hospital porn. <gasps> like, if it was if it was realistic, everyone would probably mil- be MILF or, like, stepmom. Like, it would be that. It wouldn't be... You know... There, that it would be just... Ba- it would, it's weird to say basic for that, but, you know, it would be that. It wouldn't be... The number one term wouldn't be something weird. And then lastly, when you talk about the final state, which is uh, the state of Tennessee. Who is the state of Tennessee searching for? Ted Cruz? Nope. Um, Lisa Ann? Nope. I have no idea. Some might call him a king. Uh, so, no, no, but that's not my quote yet. Some might call him the greatest cop uh, on a Segway that has ever lived. Oh, yeah, Paul Hart. <laughs> They're searching for Kevin James. Yeah. <laughs> Why is the state of Tennessee searching for Kevin so, James? So, okay, you want to know probably the, the story behind some of this stuff? I would love to. Is Pornhub doesn't take down as quickly as like YouTube and stuff does. Oh my god, you think Paul Blart was on it? Well, no, so I imagine there's some like Kevin James rant or something like that or something happened. Mm -hmm. And because like people were doing that with um, the Germany-Brazil World Cup game that was 7-1 to because FIFA is notorious for taking down stuff that on YouTube that they didn't post. So people were going to like Pornhub and other things like other sites like that, that wouldn't take it down. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's a situation like that. Versus the state of Tennessee is looking for Kevin James, you know, railing on something. To me, that's way funny if they were. Yeah, that that's the only way I could see that being a thing. Cause like, you know, there there was probably something that Kevin James did in the state of Tennessee, and somebody uploaded it to Pornhub to you know avoid the YouTube crackdown or something. Um, no, I just thought I, I so that was a, that was a good old fashioned game we used to play. Um, I thought I had to bring it up just because Jesus Christ, people. Again, they can cherry pick what they want to be the. They can. The thing, so that's probably what it was. But the only thing that I can imagine that would be behind, um, you know, like Goth Hospital, Kevin James, and Racist, is that it's, it's not a porn video. You know, maybe Oklahoma's is, but you know, it's a video that somebody put on Pornhub because they're trying to avoid 
you know, uh, another platform taking it down. Okay. Yeah, jumping into kind of games, uh, the first story is kind of a mixture, which is why I just kind of shoved it in the beginning. Uh, DC fandom happened uh, a couple weeks ago, and for people who are curious, we now have trailers for Batman, for Flash, and we have rough timelines for the Suicide Squad and the Gotham Knights coming out from the video game scenes. So if people are curious, obviously go check those out. Can I just say, um, the Batman looks like it is going to be violent. It's violent and it is like they saw Batman vs. Superman and it was like, we want to emulate that. Oh no, it's like they saw it's as if um, who's directing this? The Batman is married. It's as if Reeves was like, okay, if we were going to make a Joker movie based on Heath Ledger's Joker, like, I want that tone, but with Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, it just looks... Also, it looks super grounded. Like, it's not... You know... It's not these crazy outfit. I mean, it's crazy outfits, but it's like... It's believable outfits, right? It's Catwoman's outfit is made out of scraps of cloth. It's, you know, Riddler's outfit is something that in theory, like you and I could could make. It's not, you know, Bane's weird uh, steroid mask and, um, you know, I guess the Joker is pretty grounded, but like Scarecrow's anti-toxin mask thing like you know the Batman looks as if he's barely a billionaire so he doesn't have the R&D that like you know Batman Begins does so yeah and I'm looking forward to seeing what the Batmobile is because the teaser images made it look pretty dope and then you kind of see it in the trailer but that one's one uh and then switching to the movie is the flash movie i think looks in a miss uh they are a hundred percent just having um who was batman he's batman why can't i think of his name reeves batman no or... no no bad flick oh and flash who is the batman no no 80s Batman. 80s Batman. 80s Batman. Oh, uh... Why can't I think of his name now? Right? Um... Michael Keaton. Yeah, I was saying, there's Michael a K Keaton in there just... somewhere. Yeah, Michael Keaton is just narrating that trailer. Like, it is, and they re- do a reveal of the Batmobile, which you know it's going to be his Batmobile. Yeah. Um... I'm curious for this movie because it's basically Flashpoint, and I'm very curious how they connect everyone into it and have it make sense to the audience. Well, and the weird part, so, okay, they already did the whole, you know, Barry rips apart space-time in the Justice League. And it's like, okay, where do you go from there? Like, a lot you could do. I think I think this movie will be fan service but I'd be curious if they could pull it off. Well, it's the weird thing, right, of, like, it's as if it's Avengers Endgame where, um, or, uh, Infinity, what? Oh, I was thinking it's going to be interesting because it's going to come up against Spider, like, 
Spider-Man's coming out this year and it's going to do the same thing. Well, but no, just the idea of, you know, space-time has changed in this situation. Like, you know, now anything's literally possible because they've made it possible, so. Um, you know, it, w- it would be cool if they reference certain things that have already happened. Um, you know, like maybe they reference uh, Bruce Wayne being, you know, uh, developing the Tumblr, you know, or something like that. Like, you know, so they reference Chris Nolan's Batman or, you know, they could reference uh, Tom Hardy's Bane because they haven't done Bane yet in the new universe. Like, you know, it'll be interesting if they pointed that stuff. That is true. Because it, it definitely feels like they want to do that now. The question comes though, like Flashpoint was done so well on TV. Yeah, I guess that's the weird part, right? Like, the TV and movies are kind of separate. Oh, they did so well. Yeah, uh, like the, the TV show did it. Like, what when people want Flashpoint, it's what they wanted. Well, the weirdest part was when I was watching Batwoman on HBO, and suddenly there's just this weird ass episode thrown in there. That if you didn't know, like it's the second part of the Flashpoint thing. It's like, wait, hold on, what is going on? Right. Yeah. But no, uh, I think that was something worth talking about. Um, jumping into the next news story, we've talked about this stuff a ton, AJ. Uh, updates on fucking Epic and their big dick. Uh, <laughs> I think this is funny. After their Apple lawsuit, uh, Google has now sued Epic uh, for breach of contract. Well, no, so this isn't Epic's big dick. This is Epic with, like, a, a micro-penis, but claiming mm-hmm. they have a big dick. Okay, have you seen, um... Shit, let's... Hold on. I need to pull something up real quick. Have you seen, um... I want Prime Video. Um, I want Amazon Originals. There's only one season of not that, it's not that, it's not that. Not my spy. Why can't I think of it? What was it called? What do, 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 do? It was uh, the show where um, it was like a CIA guy. Oh, Patriot. That's what it's called. Um, He's like a CIA guy and then he gets thrown into this. They need to stop Iran from going nuclear so he needs to have a cover story of a company that goes to Iran and so he becomes like a pipe fitter and all like a, a oil company um, then they have a meeting in Luxembourg and then there's a murder in Luxembourg and one of the uh, one of the cops from Luxembourg talks about how he has sex with this big dick or whatever and then it shows he has a micro penis. So that's what this is? It yeah, it's that situation. Um you know, 
Epic wants you to think that they have a big dick, but they're going up against trillion dollar companies. Like the fact that Google hasn't just swallowed them up or Apple hasn't just swallowed them up. Like I, you know, what would be funny to come out of this is for Alphabet and Apple to be like, let's go in on a joint venture. Let's start a company and then just buy Epic and just fuck them over. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a situation of, you know, Epic wants to do its own thing. This is Tesla, right? They want to do their own thing, but they're breaching contracts and breaching laws. Like, but they don't care because they think they can get away with it. And they've gotten away with it until somebody challenges them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just... I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, it's going about the whole billing thing. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, that is a a thing, right? Like, you know... Both platforms use their own billing to. It is a safety feature, like whether you want to think of it that way or not. Like, no matter how shitty the game is, in terms of wanting to steal all your data, like, it has to get its payment through Apple or Google. And in which case, they send the, you know, they just write a check, you know, so they don't give your info to the to the games versus Epic wanting to do that themselves. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Uh, jumping on to uh, what did I start calling the segment, AJ, that games press is full of idiots? Oh, stupid... uh, riffing on Kotaku. Oh, I like that one with Fitter. So Kotaku is full of dumbasses, right? Even with the whole rebrand and all that shit. Yeah. Um. So, Metroid Dread came out. I think it was a couple weeks ago at this point, right? Game Metroid's franchise infamously is one that people love. It doesn't sell well. Okay. You think you try to get people to buy the game, right? Would that sound like a good idea to you, AJ? Yeah. Like, assuming you want the game to succeed, all that fun stuff. You wouldn't tell them. I don't know. Two days after release, about an emulator that's working on the platform being released on to get the game for free, right? Um, I'm just reading the article real quick because it's just it's so stupid. <laughs> they had an editor's note explaining that per request by Nintendo, we have updated the article to generally reassert that Taco does not promote or encourage privacy. Uh Taco de- declined to enact changes that blurred the line between suggestions and aggressive line edits to preserve editorial independence. Okay, sure, whatever. But then they have an update. An earlier version of this story was understood by many readers to be a direct suggestion to illegally download this just released game. We regret this interpretation and apologize as the original article did not meet our editorial standards. So why was it even published? If it didn't meet your editorial standards, why was it published? And why is it still up? Why is it not taken down? 
Well, I mean, it's changed a lot since the original article, so. Mm-hmm. Reporting on a phenomenon is not the same as encouraging anyone to break the law and download games they have not purchased. We believe our readers are intelligent adults capable of making such choices for themselves independently of us. Okay, your readers are, but are you? Like, is Kotaku able, are the writers capable of making decisions for themselves? Or is there somebody up on high that's like, we need to write this article, you know, basically information be damned. Yeah, it's just seeing this and like seeing the fallout from it was just that's spectacular. Well, it was weird. It was like, okay. I don't necessarily mind them being like, you know, the emulators can already run this in 4K because whatever, you know, that's But there was definitely no level of Oh, there was definitely not like, oh, you should still buy, buy this. this. Game. It was like, look at all this cool shit that this emulator is doing. Right. I think that's where my problem is. Yeah. Is they explained nothing? No, and I think part of the thing is, you know, Nintendo seems to just be fucking up the Switch left and right. Like, the online is absolutely horrendous. They don't understand, like, the internet at all. And, you know, the the more powerful Switch that's been basically rumored since the beginning hasn't come out yet. And doesn't appear to be coming out. Mm-hmm. And Nintendo doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And so people took it into their own hands because, okay, it's, this is a unique situation in the fact that the Switch is based on an NVIDIA chip that was already being emulated. So they really didn't have to do a lot to make that emulator work for the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of unique in that situation, but also it's like, well, of course the emulator is going to be able to run it in better resolutions because you have better hardware like this isn't a situation of you need great hardware just to run it because this is effectively a tablet processor if they said here is generally a cool emulator we found I think that'd be way more acceptable versus saying here is the game that just came out yeah that's the weird part Right, you could have talked about the emulator, broadly speaking, and it'd get way less flack. I mean, also, like, emulators are an important part of, especially game preservation. Mm-hmm. Like, I have nothing wrong with emulators. Because in a lot of situations, like, I can't go out and buy a Turbo Graphics. I can't go out and buy a... Um, 3DO like okay yes you could but I don't have the resources to do it but I can get an emulator for those and experience those games whereas 
you know the the switch emulator is unique in the sense of the switch is still out you know a lot of times the emulators take years after the console has been discontinued to even reach a state of playability like the xbox 360 emulator is still not great Mm -hmm. um i understand again some of this isn't even that you talk about an emulator that's not what people are upset about. no it's the fact that you're showing off a game that as you say is basically you know it was released and they're like oh shit check this out it's on pc and it runs better you know not only uh frame rate wise but resolution wise Mm -hmm. so yeah i like i don't necessarily have a problem with them mentioning that it exists it's the stick you know they were like check this cool shit out not right not the they weren't necessarily pointing out the technical uh the technical side of it it was you know here's the emulator they if i remember right in the original article they called the emulator out by name so he just had to google how to download it and then it's not super hard to find the rom for metroid dread so you know they basically without telling you how to do it they gave you everything you need to know and that was the problem i had with it mm-hmm. so, yeah. now if that the is... game was absolutely terrible whatever. even then i would have problems with it i would i and... think i have problems with it because it's also a brand new game like there's a lot of Emulating, I think, is ethical in the sense of if you cannot reasonably purchase the game yeah. legally and play it. That that is when I think it's it's ethical. I'm saying if you could buy a game currently on a Nintendo Switch eStore, it is not ethical. No. But also, like, there's situations where um, emulating's huge in like Brazil because. Games are so expensive there mm-hmm. that the ethics question there isn't okay. This is a, a lot U.S. More outlet, though. yeah, yeah. It's so a lot my more problem is this is a there, U.S. But... outlet we're talking about. We're not talking yeah. about Brazilian outlet. We're not talking about in Brazil. We're talking about U.S. outlet that has global reach. Yeah. So I would expect them to at least somewhat have a U.S. standard, at least from that ethic line. One Unless they're simply talking yeah. to Brazilians about a Brazilian thing, then you would have this. That's not what they're doing, though. This was on Kotaku, Maine, which is a U.S.-based site. Yeah, and I mean, I just used Brazil as an example right. because and that's, I understand that's the one like, everybody knows, right? Like, but I just I don't like that one at least currently because I don't think that's what's happening here. No, this was check out this cool shit. Here's the, yes, here's here's what it is. Here's what it's running on. Basically, you know, um, you know, telling effectively telling you, hey. Uh, check out this cool bank robbery. Here's where it was, and here's how they did it, but not telling you. Here's what, or more of, here's where the bank was. Here's the stuff they used, but they didn't tell you how they used it. So then you can just kind of deduce, like, oh, I can go do this. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Was it blown out of proportion? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Because jumping. Well, more like the response was kind of blown out of proportion. Like, because they weren't saying like, go do this. And that was what a lot of the the reaction to this article was. You know, was a lot of people seem to to treat this article as if Kotaku was like, "Oh, go do this." They weren't saying that. They weren't saying they weren't not saying that, but they weren't. I think they have a somewhat of a reasonable responsibility to say you shouldn't do that or like something there definitely should have been something to say like we don't endorse this Mm -hmm. but again like people on twitter were basically you know a lot of the reaction was oh kotaku tells you how to pirate metroid dread they didn't but the article also didn't not didn't not like there were a lot of things in this article originally that were not necessarily pro piracy but, but not anti piracy yeah so this is all accurate yeah. okay uh jumping onto some final quicker stories uh gta the trilogy has been announced for basically all platforms. Uh, it is go worth checking out. Um, yeah, I think it was. Remember, I think San Andreas will be in Game Pass and three on like PSN exclusive. But you get all three games on all platforms. So if you're interested in those game- games, uh, they're probably worth checking out. Uh, other news stories uh, has happened in the last month is Blue Point Games has officially been acquired by Sony which has been heavily rumored for a while now, uh, but it is now official, and they apparently will be working on new games. Uh, the rumor that has been floating around the internet from pretty reliable sources is that they will be working on the a, their next game will be a sequel to Bloodborne. It has not been confirmed, but it has been very, fairly strongly rumored, and at this point it, I would be more shocked if that was not true than if it was. Uh, well, I think first, I think their first thing isn't isn't Bluepoint doing the PC port for Bloodborne. Uh, that also is in the same rumor set, so it might be like you split the team yeah. or whatever. Because Bluepoint's well, always had more than one team. I was gonna say they've been big enough for a while. I know you can also have a team prototyping the next Bloodborne while you're porting it too, because that's different people a lot of times from a port yeah. point of view. So. Uh, jumping to the next stuff, Night School Games, uh, which people tend to know from Oxenfree, has officially joined Netflix, which I believe is the first time Netflix has purchased a video game studio. Yeah, this is the first time they've Netflix themselves are like buying a game studio. But didn't they? Um, who? Uh, who developed the Netflix games? Because they did, like, a Stranger Things game. Oh, fuck. I know who it is, too. They did the, um... Was it the same people who did the... The iRobot game? So the Stranger Things game was gonna be Telltale. Yeah, originally it was gonna be Telltale. Yes. 
The one that you're talking about is William Lemons. Who, who the fuck should I know you? But, I know you're talking about there is. And if I remember right, it wasn't that good. Yeah, I did not hear amazing things, but they've been, they've been like, but this is the first time because they, they jerkly said they're still going to ask if you, they're not working on, um, bonus like, XP. I don't think it was. Yeah, I don't know that is either. Well, it says it's an, it so this was a 2017 iOS game. It definitely wasn't that. Um, Stranger Things 3, the game. That's what it's called. Stranger Things 3 is being removed from Steam and GOG, but may soon appear on Netflix's gaming app. This is August 30th. Stranger Things 3, the game, is being delisted from Steam, GOG, and the Epic Game Store on August 31st. Anyone who owns the game will continue to have full access to it, but won't be available for purchase. Uh... So bonus XP did Stranger Things 3 as well. Um, in May, the company announced a new push into gaming, which is solidified in July by hiring Mike Verdue. Uh, Stranger Things 3 and Stranger Things 1984 was being tested uh, through Netflix's Polish app. Uh, it's... Huh. Apparently Dead by Daylight pulled their Stranger Things content. They announced the removal was based on the publisher's request. Um, the Stranger Things 3, the game Twitter account has been deleted. And bonus XP Stranger Things 3 webpage is also done. So that's that info is interesting because that's basically they killed the game it's not necessarily like it's coming back it's they just straight up killed it so I think a lot yeah. of people were both happy and cautiously optimistic with this announcement that's very fair because a lot of people were happy to see them get paid but also I think a lot of people are cautiously optimistic because tech companies don't have a great track record with buying game studios. That's accurate. If I remember right too, because I'm trying to think, I believe the founder graduated from the same college program I did. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a certain situation of, you know, when you're, when you look at their track records, right, of Amazon, Apple, Google, um, when they're buying game studios, they don't turn out great. So, know. You, know, you can only hope that obviously Oxenfree 2 is going to come out. The question is, what is their next project? I think that's a good question. And that's the one I think that's the point where people are like, oh boy what's going to happen. It isn't, you know, like, okay, cool, they got paid. Oxenfree 2 is coming out for sure. What's next? You know, are they from here on out making Netflix property games? 
That's a good question. So, yeah, okay. Uh, jumping into final few quick things. Um, uh, they will. I'll make this one easy for you. Less painful for you. Uh, Sora is officially in Smash. People who are interested, go check that out. And then our final story. Who gives a shit? I knew that'd be your response. Uh, our final story is for AJ, and I kind of talked about it on my own also. So, recent era has officially been bought. Four point five million dollars. Million dollars. He he he. Any thoughts on that one? The website was initially going to be sold for seven hundred thousand in the year yeah. prior to August thirty first. They went from seven hundred thousand to four and a half million. Good on them. <laughs> that is wild. So, so yeah. and reset era was formed after. Um, Neogaf's mod staff left. So it was? You looked it up? Okay. Yeah. Um, they, yep. they launched Neogaf. the reset era. Kind of the shitty thing around this is that reset era... Here's the problem I have, right? Like, reset era was formed out of mods from NeoGAF. So they all they were all mods, right? They are not gonna pay their mods as part of this deal. So the people that made the site what it is, like the founding members are getting paid, but then everybody else it's basically, well, you know, have fun more or less. And they are being bought by MOBA Network, who owns Dota Fire, Smite Fire, and League Spy. So. It wouldn't surprise me if. Um, Reset Era then just turns into covering esports stuff. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Because, like, our, you know, MOBA Network owns sites for the big three. So is Reset Era going to be kind of the overarching property? Yeah, and I don't actually know the answer to that question. I'll be curious to see it, too. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, that is yeah. it. We have the final thing. Always the final two things. Uh, first games. I've kind of cleared this out the rest of the year, looking at stuff that I think really matters, which is COD on the 5th of November, Battlefield and Pokemon both on the 19th of November, and then Halo on December 8th. Um, looking, I didn't see anything else massive that came out this year, because everything else was basically pushed into that spring window of next year. Uh, so on next show, we will talk, kind of run through those big releases, probably looking at Outlook for next year. Um... On that note, AJ, it is time to discuss it. What are we thinking for November? Movie club, no movie club. What is? What are your thoughts? Dude, you forgot Fetish Locator Week 2 is coming out. Don't make me ask for a press code for our interview. 
Um, I'm, I'm just on... Uh, oh, Marvel's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy game is coming out, but didn't that uh-huh. get pushed? No, it's October 26th. That's why it was October, so... Oh, wait, I should have added it last month. I didn't. Um, that, but... I'm just looking to see, like... If there's anything else, Forza 5. Um, that's a big one. Coming out. Um... Super Robot Wars 30. That is a Japanese ass game. Um, it's a weird time. Oh, really wish it's blood. Floor, but isn't. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's that end of. End of year. When stuff being pushed, where, yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, Forza Horizon Five is November ninth. See what isn't a twenty twenty two release? Jurassic World Evolution Two. Century of Age Farming Simulator twenty two apparently is coming up on the twenty second. Know that. Um. Sherlock Holmes, Chapter 1. 2 is TBA. I'm kidding. This point. Yeah, there's... There's like... Super Meat Boy Fiber, did that come out yet? No, that was delayed. It was 2021. Yeah, that one has been delayed. I don't remember to win, but it was delayed. Bloons TD Battles 2 is apparently coming. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's Football just jump Manager in. 2022. God, oh my. Uh, Resident uh, Evil Reverse is coming out in 22 now. Okay. I was say, let's jump now to the movie club. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I don't know. We could also, it's holidays, it's weird. I'm going to take November yeah, off. November is going to be odd because we have a ton of stuff. We have a lot to do. And then yep. we are, uh, and then, and then holidays and yeah, stuff make it weird. Thanksgiving time frame. Yeah. Um, let's see. We do a turn. That movie does not look good. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Resident Evil. Excuse me. Um, we're into December. Yeah, I guess we're going to end up doing something for Dune. We'll figure out what it is. We, we just don't know why yet. It, whether it's a full movie yep. club, whether it's kind of a deeper dive, like half hour thing. So, so we will figure that out. So maybe keep an eye on it this month. No promises, but yeah, that's a good way to say it. So go check it out when you get a moment. 
Um, I think that's it then. People, yeah. Do you have anything uh, else? Do you people? believe? Nope. Perfect. Well, we hope you guys enjoy your week. We'll see you in a few weeks. We'll see you every week, like always. Goodbye. This podcast was a production of The SWW Show. To learn more, go to theswwshow.com. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter at The SWW Show. You can follow me at Mikey underscore Maroney. You can follow AJ at Boy. Remember, new episodes premiere on Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time on anchor.fm slash SWW and podcast services around the globe.